Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Moms No Fluff, the podcast in which we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. And in our effort to represent other disabilities, uh, Alma and I like to interview other parents. And today, Alma is not here, my partner, Alma Schneider, and we have another mom with us. And uh, I am very, very pleased to introduce to you Jocelyn Gottlieb, who agreed to join us today. And I am so, so thrilled because Jocelyn is a beautiful person inside and out, extremely smart and so elegant and eloquent. And I'm really, really happy that you're joining us today. And I would let Jocelyn introduce herself. And I uh, want to first, again, thank you for coming to the podcast, Jocelyn, and agreeing to, to participate with us. It's really an honor. No, not at all. Thank you, Iris. Um, as Iris said, I'm Jocelyn. I am the mother of three kids, my eldest of whom is disabled. I have a 14-year-old daughter, a 12-year-old daughter, and a nine-year-old son. And I live here in New Jersey. Um, I work part-time, and that's sort of also related to my daughter's needs. And um, I'm married and, and we actually have an au pair living with us, which I can talk about in terms of daily living with Simone. And I'm just happy to be here and to share my experiences of raising a child um, with special needs. Awesome. Uh, I wanted to ask you for um, our listeners, if you can maybe describe uh, Simone's disability and um, how how it comes kind of to affect uh, her daily life and your family's daily life? Sure. So Simone um, was born a little bit early, just about four weeks and with low gestational weight. And when she was born, there was no disability. There was no diagnosis of anything except that she was just a little premature. Um, and the years went on with no diagnosis of any disability until she was two, um, when we were finally seen by a developmental pediatrician who gave her an autism diagnosis. And we were seen by a physiatrist who gave her a cerebral palsy diagnosis. And we were seen by a neurologist who gave her a movement disorder diagnosis. And this went on until she was about seven when we did whole exome sequencing and our neurologist called us up and said, actually, there are 39 girls in the world who have the same genetic mutation as Simone, and she has something called gene DDX3X syndrome. Um, can you agree to be part of this study in this paper that's being published on the similarities between these girls who have all been discovered through this exome sequencing? So that was her official diagnosis that kind of gave her an umbrella and, and a rationale for the developmental challenges that we saw from the start, which were just global developmental delays, um, 
low tone, mixed tone, um, sort of lack of social engagement and kind of the, the whole handful of things that you see um, with all of those earlier diagnoses that I mentioned. Wow, well, and, and, and how does a day in Simone's life look like? How does the disability affect her? Mm -hmm. So Simone is 14 now and it's obviously looked different over time. Um, but at this point, she still needs help with most daily living skills and she doesn't speak. So she's completely nonverbal. Um, she's fully ambulatory and able to go anywhere she wants around our home, um, but she is not able to dress herself. She's not able to fully toilet herself, um, brush her own teeth all of that and and with breakfast and you know all of her meals she needs some assistance she can feed herself certain things but she she also requires assistance sometimes um, with that and assistance with bathing and accessing sort of different toys that she might want and objects so she uses a communication app to communicate with us and a lot of gestures um, She's had that since she was seven and she uses touch chat as her, um, the app on her device. And so she can make requests and comment on things, but really her, it's a lot of her communication is transactional. So it'll be like, I want to listen to music. I want to eat yogurt. I want to drink. I want to go to the pool. Um, and much less of I'm feeling happy or I'm feeling tired but we, we're working on that. It's sort of an ongoing process. She does attend school and it's a private specialized school for kids with disabilities that serves kids between the ages of five and 22. And our local school district pays for her to go there. And, and there she has a one-on-one -on -one aide who works with her. She has PTOT and speech. Um, there's sort of an overarching behavior plan. And then at home, three afternoons a week, she does work with uh, behavior tech and and does some ABA type work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's it. It's very routine with Simone. She likes she likes knowing what's coming next and and having that routine kind of gives her a lot of peace. And and are you happy and satisfied with the program that this school provides for her? Yeah, so she's at a school, it's called the Phoenix Center in Nutley, New Jersey. And um they're amazing. Like they, they're sort of throughout her life, Simone's worked with some really phenomenal therapists. And, and I think the common thread of what makes a therapist great in my mind is that they see her potential and they're able to kind of conceive of what she's capable of and, and never stuck on where she is today, but really on, on how to move her towards the next thing, um, whether it's physical or in terms of her communication or, her manual dexterity. And um, they really see her as a whole child. And so they aren't just stuck on, oh, well, Simone can't do this yet. And she hasn't met this goal and we're working on this still, but just like, look at all of these things that she's accomplished. And, and I feel like they're very supportive of families and, and really good at understanding there are things that they can do at school that we can't do at home because we don't have one-on-one -on -one trained support 24 seven. And so I'm, I'm not Simone's therapist. My husband's not Simone's therapist. Our kids aren't Simone's therapists. Like we are all her family and we love her and support her, but we aren't going to be pushing her the way that they do. And, and they do a great job of, of 
both kind of encouraging her, but, but, and holding her accountable, but also keeping it fun. Wow. It's, it's actually heartwarming and you're a parent that is uh, pleased with this school. We hear so much, uh, you know, pain and agony sometimes that parents experience with the services that they receive from the school district. But um, that was a very, I guess, nice and refreshing thing to hear. So yeah. I'm happy for you and uh, happy for Simone that school is providing what she, what she needs. And um, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned a bit that your family, your husband, your children are not uh, therapists. And I wanted to ask you, how, how does Simone's disability affect your, I guess, relationship with your husband and the uh, relationship with the, the other sibling and their life in general? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think every child kind of rocks the world of the family, you know, that, that they're in and no matter disabled, non-disabled, um, and Simone is no different. I think, so she was our first child and every new parent goes in thinking, oh, this is what my child is going to be like, and this is the life we're going to have with our children. And when Simone was born, it was clear that that we weren't going to have necessarily what we had imagined and that she was going to need a lot more support and attention and interventions than we had ever anticipated or, or were even aware existed in the world. Um, so I think it put a lot of, I, there was, it was just, there was a lot of weight on my husband and I in those first couple of years. Um, also both, both kind of coming to terms ourselves with what the changes were going to be between our imagined existence and our actual existence, which I think is a process for everyone, you know, through life. And, and then also navigating that with our families and, you know, sharing to our siblings and parents. And, you know, this is, this is what our daughter's life might look like. It's different. It's not, please stop asking me when she's going to sit up and when she's going to walk. And, you know, we don't, we don't have control over that. We don't know. Um, so it was very fraught and it was also hard deciding whether or not to have another child because when Simone was born, we didn't know if, if what was going on was genetic or if it was something else. And if we had a higher likelihood of having an, a second child with the disability and, and what that would do to us in terms of our um, personal and emotional resources. Um, and yet we'd always thought that we wanted to have multiple children. And so it was, it was like a big roll of the dice when we did it and ultimately did it again, you know, to have, have a third child. And I think there was, it was just, it was weightier. Like it, it felt that, especially during those early years, we had, you know, three kids in four and a half years. And um, it was very physically demanding and emotionally demanding. And we were exhausted, like all parents of young children. And then there was this super rigorous, therapy schedule that we felt like we had to maintain and all of these babies to drag along with us and all of these people who thought we should be doing x or y because we were parents of kids and that's what you do when your kids are this age and then we had a kid who didn't fit that mold like it was incredibly stressful um but I think because Simone is the oldest her siblings have always she's always been normal to them there's nothing there's there's nothing that's um atypical it's just that she's Simone and that Simone is this way and and so I think 
in a sense that's made it easier than had she been my youngest child because I never had to explain something to them. They just knew, oh, Simone doesn't like loud places, so we're not going to go to this loud place. And um, the it kind of it made it a little easier to navigate some of those things. Um, and Iris, I'm I'm forgetting like where we started, so I'm going to stop talking, and and you can no, kind of that, me. That like was... I can I can talk more about sort of what life today is like having Simone and and her siblings and what their relationship is like, but. That's kind of the overarching where we started from. Yeah, th that was actually fascinating. I uh, have a few questions after this, but one of them is uh, how how do you guys really navigate like uh, social situations and participating in activities as a family in light of uh, Simone's disability? And you just mentioned briefly her sensitivity to loud noises, and I'm sure there's much more to it. So can you share about how you navigate that? Yeah, no, I think I think that's probably been one of the most stressful things. Um, the one of the most stressful aspects of parenting Simone for me, because I'm a very social person and I'm also uh, more spontaneous and I like to just, oh, let's just go do this and let's go do that. And and life with Simone means you can't do that or if you do that she is probably going to react in a way that will mean you have to leave early because she's going to be very upset. So um, for a long time, it was very, we, we kind of, what did we do? We thought about the places where Simone was happy. And so we would try to orchestrate social um, interactions in places where Simone was happy. And that meant it was either in our home or at a park or a playground that she was familiar with already. And we're also very upfront with, with both old friends and new friends about, hey, this is gonna be hard for Simone, can we do this instead? Um, in terms of trying to construct a situation where she is going to be comfortable. And I think, you know, for a long time it was easy because our kids were younger and so they were always happy with that kind of narrow universe of activities. Um, as the kids got older and their friends got older and people wanted to do more sort of bigger things like, oh, let's go to the corn maze. It'll be so fun. And let's go to this festival or this fair or this music you know, festival or whatever. Um, then it, it became a, a series of choices. Like, are we going to do this with Simone and know that one of us might have to, you know, to spin off and take her somewhere she's going to be comfortable? Or do we want to find a sitter for Simone on that day so we can give Bia and Theo this opportunity to try this new thing and, and do this? And so there's a lot of um, planning involved in making sure that everyone's going to have their needs met. And um, I you know, definitely have asked friends to be patient with us kind of as we figure out those dynamics and and I think it's been there have been times when it's really hard when it's just our family and we don't have a caregiver and we're say traveling or something and we have to tell her siblings like no we can't do this right now because this is just not working for Simone even though you're having fun and um, that can be really heart-wrenching at times. Yeah, I uh, 
<laughs> you gave the example of the corn maze, which is kind of funny because just this weekend, our family went to a corn maze and it was just impossible to push the wheelchair through. So we had to back off and uh, it was uh, the, the same moral dilemma again, whose, whose needs do we meet today and, and why? But um, I, I wanted to, to ask you a little bit about uh, how, how did your perspective of uh, the disability change over time from the time of new diagnosis, which sounded to me like so, so painful because where there were so many layers to this when, when uh, Simone was diagnosed, it's like it almost lasted like five years uh, yeah. in each, each time a different facade, a different layer of what is going on was exposed. So I wanted to ask you about that and about how your perspective of the disability and life in general, kind of in light of the disability, changed with time. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it, I think it really has evolved. Um, I was very, I was very angry in the beginning, um, and I was angry that maybe we had done something, and and maybe I hadn't done something during my pregnancy, and sort of all of that self questioning and. Um, blaming and you know just it, it wasn't it wasn't healthy and it wasn't productive but it was how I was feeling um and and frustration of not knowing what was next and the uncertainty and and not being comfortable with uncertainty generally in my life and then you know having it in this very like central portion of my life you know with my child um it took years, really. I mean, especially in the beginning, because we didn't we didn't have a diagnosis, and the you know both autism and cerebral palsy are are these like big umbrella buckets that don't give you any clarity because there's such a huge spectrum, and and it's it's more of a description than a you know like a the the genesis of something, and and so I. And I've, I guess I'm a, an achiever at heart. And so I wanted to help her achieve these goals and like, okay, Simone, we're going to work on this. You're going to learn to roll over. You're going to learn to sit up. You're going to, you're going to crawl and I'm going to crawl with you and you're going to crawl and damn it. You're going to crawl. Even if I'm like weeping on the floor next to you. And it was just really hard. Um, and at a certain point, I realized that it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable to do that. And I had to just just kind of adopt more of like, we are here now and this is what Simone can do. And this is what she does enjoy. And I'm going to embrace this and not worry about what it looks like ahead. Um, and I guess that's in current lexicon, that's like a mindfulness approach, right? Just like enjoying the moment and, and accepting that this, and, and that probably has helped me more than anything um, because it's, it stopped me from fighting to make her different from who she is. Um, and it, it has taken the heat off of me as her parent to somehow facilitate her being at a different developmental level or, you know, achieving the next um, milestone or whatever it may be. Um, but it's, it's been a path, right? Like there's, there's been, and you know, and it, and it continues, right? You're, you're becoming and, and she's growing and changing. And so what I'm thinking about today is different than what I was thinking about three years ago. Um, 
I mean, now she's a mature teenager, right? Like that's a whole different ball game than having a seven-year-old daughter who's, you know, a little unstable, but is still in a loper and runs off into the street or out of the park or whatever it may be. Oh, I, I, uh, I can't not feel touched by what you're saying. Obviously, it hits close to home for, for me and I'm sure all of our listeners as well. Um, thank you for, for sharing all of this. I wanted to ask you, Jocelyn, if you have coping strategies uh, that you would recommend to parents, other parents, new parents that are just at the beginning of this journey, um, I'm sure you have a, a lot of experience now and things that you know that worked well for you and your family. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I do think that settling into the moment, like the mindfulness thing has been very helpful to me um, because it it can it can give you appreciation for much smaller things, right? and and, um, I think being anchored in the now is, is really helpful. Um, the, the supports that you have are critical. I mean, my husband and I, we, we definitely have different perspectives on certain things to do with Simone and I'm more tolerant of some behaviors and he can handle other things. Um, but we're very open and, and we talk about it and at various points, you know, he's, he's very good at reminding me, like, we need, we need our time, you know, for ourselves. And, and so we have prioritized getting childcare so that we can go for a walk or go for dinner or, you know, have time carved out to like schedule and plan and, and things that other people can typically do when their kids are kind of around them, that it's much harder to do when we're also caring for Simone, because it's, you know, pretty labor intensive. Um, and, and the social, for me, having a strong social network is, is really important. And so I've been lucky to um, just be, have, have good communities when I was living in California during the first seven years of Simone's life and then in New Jersey subsequently. Um, and, and it spans kind of across, it's not just specifically within communities of parents who have kids who also have disabilities, but also just generally people who understand. Um, I'm really upfront with people about, oh yeah, my, you know, my 14 year old doesn't talk or I have a child with a disability or, you know, this, this affects what we can do. And so that there's never a feeling of pretending to be someone I'm not, and then having to introduce the fact that there's this, this big layer to my existence um, and having them be nervous about it. And I don't know with with coping like I've I've definitely seen therapists you know throughout different periods sometimes more sometimes less my husband and I have gone and talked to someone together at various points when we're not seeing eye to eye on kind of what's needed um, and uh, the biggest thing is that we got more support we got more childcare and you know for a long time when the kids were little it was like we got childcare for all three so that we could go and do something and in the last four years i would say we've realized like we need childcare specifically for simone so that we can do things um, that typical families do with our other two kids because there are experiences we want to give them and 
and giving ourselves permission to do that, which was like a big, I had a mental block against not doing everything together all the time. Um, getting past that and realizing that we could and it was okay and Simone was happy and the other kids were happy gave us, I think, a lot more freedom and me a lot more mental freedom to kind of parent in the different ways, the different children that I have. <laughs> I I really, really uh, appreciate how you share uh, all of this information because I still find it very valuable. My daughter is 14 as well, and I learn from, from you as you speak. So I appreciate it very much. And I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind, maybe thinking about what would be a message you want to share with the general population, with the allies of the disability community and other people that are listening to the podcast that do not necessarily have a personal connection to the disability community. I, I think that it's important to hear our voices, uh, to let others think about what they can do as community members to make society a little bit more welcoming and tolerant even to our children at times. So what would you like to share? I mean, it, it honestly, I, I feel like it goes back to just a fundamental, um, like seeing people as people, right? And, and because a person is disabled, it doesn't mean that they're not a person. And everyone, everyone has quirks and everyone has things that they do differently to express themselves and um, accepting things outside of the norm, I guess, is, is really helpful. Um, just for instance, Simone loves the pool. She loves water. And she also has a lot of favorite objects. And she likes to combine her favorite objects with water, which means when we go to the pool, she really wants her pillowcase and her favorite four t-shirts to go in the pool with her and maybe an extra bathing suit because she likes to see how the bathing suit sinks to the bottom of the pool. And, you know, so we're, we're surrounded by this floating island of um, wet garments. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And every so often some will kind of float away and someone will pick this up and they'll be like, what is this? Like whose shirt, did someone lose a bathing suit? And, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, that's my daughter's, you know, that's her special thing. She likes bringing that to the pool. And it's so nice when someone's, they see that and they're just like, oh, that's great. She's having fun instead of condemning her or condemning me for allowing her that latitude of, of bringing sort of unorthodox objects into the pool. I, I guess it's just a tolerance that I'm looking for. Um, you know, Simone will vocalize. And so you're in CVS or something and you're just doing your shopping and she's going, ah, and everybody's like, what is that noise? You know, and to me, it's, I don't even hear it because that's just something Simone does and just accepting, oh, well, that's, that's what she does. And, and realizing, oh, that maybe that's kind of annoying for me for, you know, and people will make offhand comments like, damn, can't she shut up or, you know, things like that. And I would ask them to think, well, what is that like 
when that person lives with you and that is your every day and every night and normal and and maybe you can find the graciousness in yourself and the generosity to like allow that to be part of your world for the 10 minutes that you're in the store together um, or the hour that you're at the pool together is it really so damaging to your experience to have that and maybe instead like see her joy in those shirts floating around her and and see how happy something so simple can make someone and 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 value that instead um i guess i i just look for more of of that approach from people and and then just very like concretely with friends I think the hardest thing for me is is when someone's like, oh, you know, we're okay if if you know we're okay if Simone's they don't say we're if we're okay if she's unhappy, but like it's basically like it's okay if it's a little chaotic and Simone's there too. And I'm like, no, like it, it's what I need is like, hey, we know it's going to be a chaotic. So if Simone needs to go hang out in our bedroom, that's fine with us, you know, something. Or, or someone asking like, we really like Simone to be able to join us too. Is there something we can do to make this easier for you? Like, do you need our Wi-Fi network password so you can log her in so she can watch her favorite show to stay calm? Or, you know, is there, I know we've asked everybody to use this bathroom downstairs, but do you guys wanna use the upstairs bathroom? Because I know she takes longer in the bathroom. Just, just thinking about some of the things that might be harder in my life so that I'm, not always having to make the request of them. And honestly, Simone will just do it, right? So if Simone wants to be upstairs in someone's bed um, because it's quiet, she is going to charge up the stairs and put herself there. And then I'll have to apologize afterwards. And it's so much nicer if, if we can kind of anticipate and have that conversation before. And, and just knowing that she's welcome is, is meaningful. Um, you know, she's, she's obsessed with books and she loves looking at books and, and design magazines. And so the friends that I have who have subscriptions, they'll be like, oh, Jocelyn, I've got an extra like bunch of El Decors and Architectural Digest. Would Simone like them? And I'm like, Simone would love them. Like, thank you so much for thinking of my child. Like that's so meaningful that that registered with you and you thought about it and you you save them for her or you save them for when we were coming to your barbecue this week. Like amazing um so i guess those are ways i can think of people being allies and and supportive of us i am um, as we're nearing the the end of uh, the episode i wanted to ask you jocelyn about uh, your thoughts and plans for the future uh, for for simone for your family and um, if you can share a little bit about that yeah i mean I, the future is hard right i mean i think for parents of typical kids, you assume that your kids will go off and be independent. And for Simone, it, it doesn't look like that, right? And um, she will always need someone. And, and there's a big question if, if we are that someone or if we're going to look for a residential facility down the road. Um, and then there's the long-term, like when we die, you know, I had her when I was 34, 33, somewhere in there. Um, who is going to take care of her and, and what responsibility can we ask her siblings to take on? And when do we have the conversation with her siblings about what that looks like? Um, so that's, 
that's tough, right? And that's part of why I stay rooted in the day because when I think about that long future, um, it's terrifying. And I think um, for me, really prioritizing what is going to make Simone happy is important versus my idea of what a good life is. And if a good life for Simone looks completely different than the good life I would imagine for me, then I need to be okay exploring those options. And, um, you know, my husband and I have been postponing the conversation of what our different philosophies might be around potential residential care in the future. Um, but I know that we need to, to have that conversation. And I know we need to talk to her siblings. And my goal now with Simone being 14 is to help her build like as many independent skills as she can, just so that she's not reliant on us in the way um, that she is currently to kind of take care of all of our needs. Because I can't imagine how frustrating it is to always have to ask someone to get you something that you want instead of being able to access it on your own. Um, you know, I think something that I we haven't talked about a lot, and I'm sorry, I'm just like babbling and babbling, but the the fact that Simone is nonverbal, like she has a whole interior existence that I don't know, right? Like that of any aspect of like if I could have her speak, like that would be my number one wish for her. Um, I don't necessarily see that happening. And so for me, learning how to be with her and how to see and observe sort of who she is through her behaviors and her interests is is really important. And, and allowing her to grow and to, to change and not having her locked in as like, oh, this is Simone, um, I think is, is a goal I have you know, for, for myself as a parent and, and kind of facilitating her, her growth. Wow. Um, before we, we end, I want to ask you if there is anything else that uh, I didn't ask you today that you want to share with other parents uh, any, any other information you want to share with the general kind of uh, audience, I would love to kind of give you an opportunity to conclude in your own way. My, my, uh, my soapbox. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a, a refrain that, that goes for everyone is, you know, be kind to yourself as well, right? Don't, don't beat yourself up. I've, I've let go of a lot of things. Like I've let go of the idea that Simone has to wear what we call day clothes on the weekends because she just wants to be in pajamas. And I'm through caring what people think of my child wandering around in her torn pajamas that she loves because it's what she wants and it's not hurting them. And I just, I think you really, um, life is hard, right? And And you have to give yourself latitude to, just take care of the things that are important and, and forget about some of the little things that we tend to worry about. Um, you know, like, I don't know, did I get a shower this morning or, or did my kid remember that it's spirit week and are they wearing mismatched socks? And like, none of these things matter. Is my lawn mode? Like who cares? Right. All of these things, they just don't matter. And, 
if Simone's given me, I mean, she's given me many things, but she definitely has given me perspective that there's all of this BS that we spend so much time worrying about in our lives that we can just let go of and be better for it, you know, for ourselves and for our kids and, and as a community. And so I, I would encourage everybody to like, just let go as much as they they can to the things that don't contribute to their own well-beings and the well-beings of, of the people around them. Jocelyn, this has been personally for me a privilege having this conversation with you today and I thank you so very much uh, for joining us and for sharing your experience and uh, your wisdom with our audience and uh, it's been a uh, mind-boggling to listen to you. I, I know that Alma and I have recorded so many episodes about the topics that came up in this conversation, but nevertheless, it's always uh, refreshing and interesting to hear another kind of personal perspective on, on those issues, and you're so eloquent and smart and it's been no, no please stop I no. it is it's this is tough right like I think we I think we have to be honest with each other right because that's how we get through it because if you're not honest then you can't deal with what you're you know what's weighing on you yeah. so I'm happy to share and and I hope that other people you know will find something useful and happy to even correspond in the future with anyone who might find something that they want to dive into further. It's important. Like this is, this is a community. Yes. Thank you again, Justin Gottlieb for your time today. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us and the new ones for uh, that came today for the first time to listen to our podcast and the ones that have been with us through this entire year and uh, followed our different episodes. Uh, if you guys have any questions uh, for uh, Alma Schneider or myself, Iris Meller, and of course, if you have any questions or comments uh, for Jocelyn Gottlieb after this episode, we would uh, welcome all of that in our uh, Facebook group, uh, support group or uh, on uh, the private uh, communication channels through our website and uh, personal chats. So thank you again. Okay. Bye. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.